Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello, tribe. You know, it's very interesting the world we live in, don't you think? I mean, really, really think about it sometimes where you kind of just wonder why is it so difficult for people to figure out how to love each other or how to stop fighting? I mean, the whole idea of the fight that people feel they need to have is this, is this pride, this need to be right. But really, how do you antiquate right 
I mean, is there some golden rule or some golden book that holds the keys to all that is right? And if yours is in there, then you should fight for it and be justified in that fight. Because you see, the way I look at it is that it's such a waste of energy when we get, when we really think about it. How we want to prove our points because we get hurt or we get upset, but we don't recognize that those points that we're proving have no real justification, only the ones that we've created based on our ideas and the way in which we choose to see life, our ideals, our morals, the way we've set up those ideas, which are very subjective to each and every person. So again, what is right as according to what life is? Or is life just a playing field for all of us to express ourselves and to be able to be present in those expressions and see if we like the way those expressions turn out energetically through our manifestations and in the way in which we choose to operate as human beings on planet Earth? But there's always that interesting fact that humans always bypass, which is is the idea of opinion or the need to press upon one's will upon another governed in enough truth to create suffering, pain, and hurt and words that literally diminish the value of creation. I mean, every time you call someone a name or you find something wrong with them or you think that they're not this or that, you're actually referencing the creator's beautiful, majestic artistry and putting it into a a very dismal, unloved space, which if we think about it and we begin to operate on the idea of language, what does that mean exactly? How do we reference language in a world where we've been taught to speak based upon what we were governed and given in school by our authority figures and our teachers and the people around us who are conversing with us? The words they speak and the definitions of those words, are they really qualified in truly amplifying love on the planet? Have we sat down and observed and really got into the true meaning of the vibrations and energies that those words are actually emitting? Or are we just simply allowing them to come from our mouths and our lips and our tongues into the ears of another person, which can be very destructive and demonstrative in the fact that we would even speak such spells into creation? Because that's what they are. They're spells. Every living text that we have, when it goes into an idea of pushing one's idea or thought or suggestion on another person, is literally a spell. Because all a spell is a thought, a feeling, and the will, and the word. The will and the word. Pretty magnificent, if you ask me, if we were operating with the word always coming from a place of amplifying love, bringing nurturing acknowledging each other. Acknowledgement, that's such a beautiful word. I love the word acknowledgement. Do you like the word acknowledgement? I really love the word acknowledgement. To acknowledge something, to acknowledge yourself, to acknowledge the tree, to acknowledge the person sitting next to you, to acknowledge your relationship or your family member or your animals that are around you or the beautifulness of just everything. To just give it an acknowledgement. Like I acknowledge you for showing up and being here in this tribe and shifting and lifting and recognizing the limitless possibility that expands beyond time and space to the definition of your honest 
right? Your honest, which is the, the, the presence of the omnipotent and the omnipresentness that is available to us through each other and through ourselves. And I acknowledge how intelligent you are and how you're able to move through information that is necessary for your soul's advancement and to be able to leave everything else by the wayside. I acknowledge how you nurture and take care of yourself and love yourself and eat food that is actually right for your cells, right for your organs, right for your blood and your bile and your digestive system and your endocrine system and the way your neurological system functions and your heart. Oh, that beautiful heart of yours. I acknowledge your heart. I acknowledge the expansion of your heart. I acknowledge the way your heart chooses to love unconditionally and to realize that the idea of any conflict or war is really not necessary only when we need to hold our ground, but it should never be about to attack anyone, only to speak the truth. You know, as I say, sometimes you do have to shake and wake people, you know? You do, but you do it by being a leader of legacy. You do it by standing in your power and, and honing in your position of love. And when someone is in opposition to that love, you don't have to fight them. You just stand in your truth and the light will illuminate that truth and cast all darkness back into the light. And you shall be triumphant without you having to do much. The idea that we go through so much struggle and strife because we feel that we have to battle and we have to go into this war to defend and protect only shows our own insecurity and our lack of relationship with the source that lives within us. That beautiful essence that is saying, hey, you don't need to fight. You don't need to go into those energy patterns. You're above this. Your frequency is so high. None of those lower frequencies can touch you. So again, you realize the resilience of your being is not held by how much you argue and how much you fight and how much you battle another person and your need to draw facts and information from a world that has really no facts and information other than that which they've created to control the populace. And a lot of information that you got from books and so forth are just other people's ideas. And that, so when you're arguing these points and these things, and just because it's located on, on Google or it's located in a dictionary and all that doesn't mean it's fact. It just means that it's more accepted by the populace of people and basically brought forth as a truth because everyone accepts it. But truth is also very, very fluid. You know, that's what I really love about spirituality, right? Spirituality to me is like the greatest contradiction. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because like one second, you can see me sitting under a tree and meditating and walking the beach and, you know, doing ceremonies and drumming and going into these deep, deep soul searches. And when I say deep, I mean like deep in the sense of accessing other dimensional realms through that soul search, right? And just eating healthy and being all these things. And then depending upon how situations change on the planet, you might see me going out there and being a whole different person because I'm not just a spiritual person. I'm an evolutionist, right? So I can't necessarily say I won't do this ever or I won't do that ever because ever is a very long time. And evolution can change your ever in a moment, in a second, in a millisecond. The idea that someone says, I will never do this or I will never do that. It's absolutely crazy to think that you would say the word never or you would never do it. How would you know what you would never do? You are not in control of the evolutionary process of our planet. 
You are a collective energy source that is either operating in that collective source by connecting into a higher frequency or a lower frequency and deciding how in which you want things to manifest and show up in your life, in your reactions, create the rippling effect to connect more people, more events, more situations into your life so you get to be right which is all association of your ego need to make sure that you are right about the world you live in so that you'll stay in the world you live in. Ego doesn't care about right or wrong. It just wants you to be happy, wants you to be fulfilled with your beliefs, right? So if we recognize that and we go, oh, whoa, wait a second, this is so cool. So you mean to tell me that all the information that I've ever been given in the world and all the information that I pull from books and all these different things are just different people's ideas and opinions and, and so forth, which are subject to change based upon the evolution of the earth. So it doesn't mean I'm not always going to be a person who doesn't eat meat. There might come a time where I have to eat meat to survive. What if all of a sudden the earth turned to ice? I'm not going to be able to just live off of vegetables because I won't be able to grow them. So I'm going to have to go back to hunt. So again, well, am I a contradiction to my own ideas and beliefs? Well, of course I am, because that's what evolution is. And so when we get into this understanding of letting go of these righteous ideas, that you have to be right about these ideas and you have to hold strong to them, because if you don't, then you're not a spiritual person and you're not a person who has devotion. Devotion is not governed upon rules and regulations. Devotion is governed by the understanding of the flexibility, the fluidness, the openness of whatever is being presented to you in that moment. That is pure African shamanism. That's wisdom coming from the deep root of the, of the motherland. African spirituality teaches that if we are operating in an idea that we have to hold on to some structure, then the universe is going to come and knock that structure down to show us that we have to trust in the limitless source inside of us that is capable of being able to pivot us and to move us in any direction that's necessary for us to thrive. Okay, for us to be able to adapt, for us to be able to be nurtured with the divine spirit that is in us watching and experiencing everything as the witness, waiting for us to come in and say, like, this is what's capable of you because I'm choosing to believe this. You see, God can only create as you understand what is able to be created. Most human beings think God has this kind of set plan, this emotional context of, you know, this is how I want things to be. And if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell and this and this and that and the other. But that's so completely devoid of the expansion and the limitless of this universe. Because if you think that God thinks in such small ways, then what do we have to look forward to? You know, I want to evolve. What am I going to evolve into? I'm going to evolve downward into an angry, you know, jealous, a frustrated person who has all these rules and you didn't follow it. So I'm going to throw you in a pit of fire. It's not real. It was created and fabricated by the darkness as a way to keep humanity away from their truth, which is away from the source, away from God that's within them, waiting for them to come in and say, I see you, I love you, and I know you. Now let's create together. Pretty awesome if you ask me. And when we get into this idea 
that we have to limit ourselves or separate ourselves from conditions that we think we're going to run from. Like a lot of things were happening and people in LA were leaving LA and moving to Texas and going here and thinking that they're going to avoid what's happening on the planet. I don't know if you read my book, Spirit Hacking, but I said it very clearly. The blackout is a global thing. It's not a, that's just happening in New York and LA. It is a global thing. That means even indigenous elders are experiencing what has been going on and have been preparing themselves for this moment because they can see the human discord that has already been generated in humanity. Everything that's happening on the outside has already been generating inside. It's been incubating and bringing it out into the world that you see today. What's happening on the planet and what's happening with our social political leaders and what's happening with the laws and the regulations and all of these things are all the contracts that we've made with ourselves on a spiritual level of our own restrictions that we place upon ourselves. You can't restrict one area of life and think that the other area will not become restricted on some level. Level. That right there in shamanism is just completely ridiculous for you to think. You can't restrict one aspect of yourself internally, right? And then think something on the outside is not going to be restricted. Do you know how, how many human beings are walking the earth right now who live in complete constriction and restriction of who they are and what they want to experience and desire? You can leave this body and go to heaven and you can see that there's no such thing as constriction. There's no labels. There's no constriction. There's no rules and regulations. There's only love and play and pleasure and ecstasy and bliss and freedom and creation. And everything that we are supposed to be bringing here on earth is heaven on earth. Look, I'm not a fan of doctrinations, but I do believe in people who speak from a place of love. Jesus spoke from a great place of love. Jesus was a great man, great man who embodied God in the essence of love, which means you can too, and I can, and pretty much everyone can on the planet, right? Embody that essence of love. But what was it that was really unique about Jesus? He wasn't walking around telling people they're going to hell and damnation. He was walking around talking about the kingdom of love, right? That's what it was about, you know? It wasn't like Martin Luther King was getting mad and telling everyone you should be mad at white people and this is the way you should do it and da-da-da. No, he was talking about having a dream for all of us to be together. You know, Mandela was living in prison and sleeping on the side. You know what it's like to sleep on your side because the prison is so packed, you can't even sleep on your back. You have to sleep on your side. And then every certain time, everyone in the room has to turn the position so their pain in their body won't get to the point of where they lose consciousness because it's so excruciating. Yeah. So this man was getting beat all the time by officers who were coming in there, just beating him up just because they're angry. Whatever was going on in their day, they were just beating this man up. But he didn't come out saying, let's get the white people in South Africa and let's, let's tear the whole thing down and get all the people of melanated colored skin, of Moorish skin, of rooted African complexion to rise up and create a tyranny against the people. No, he said, let's find a way to bring this thing together. And he became president. He didn't come out in that way. You know, and that's one of the things that I love about Jesus and a lot of other people too. I'm very big into Alive. I'm very big into anything that represents love. Anything that holds the frequency of love is my homegirl, is my homeboy. Like, done. Done. It's a done thing. You don't really have to think so much about it. If you're coming from a place of love, then you're coming from a place that you want everyone to thrive. It's not just about you. It's not the you game. Right, And so when we look at the context of reality, reality is constantly shifting. It's never going to stay the same. 
There was a time in my life where I would have never thought that I would have laid down and had intimacy with a man. I, would, I was the biggest homophobic in the whole world. The idea of being with a man was nauseating and disgusting to me, okay? And when I was in school growing up, I found it to be the most repulsive thing. But again, evolution changes me and allows me to open up to higher levels of my being. And when I open up to those higher levels of my being, I realize, why am I following a pattern of what a man is supposed to be? And why don't I just live in the idea of expression and desire and feeling those energies and connecting into spirit with it? And God came to me and said, there is no judgment from me if you choose to be with a man because this body is a temporal body and your being is eternal. And sometimes you'll choose to be a man, a female, and sometimes you'll choose to be both in other places around the galaxy. So I said, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let me experience this. And I thought, wow, this is an amazing experience. But that's not the only amazing experience. Everything that I live in my life, I know I can't hold strong to it because then spirit will come and rip it away. That's the whole, if you ever read the tarot books and tarot cards, there's a tarot card called the tower. That's what that's about is that your pride built this tower so strong that you believe that this is it, this is how it is, and this is the way it's supposed to be, and you hold on to it as if it's like the last thing. This is your law. This is your coordinates that you claim in your life. Then evolution comes along and says, no, I'm sorry. We need you to go bigger, and we need you to go more expanded, and we need you to love beyond your labels, beyond your conditions, beyond the color of your skin, beyond your sexuality, beyond all of these things. And to do that, we need to break you out of this tower. And so we're going to come with a big, mighty thunderstorm. We're going to come with a huge tornado. We're going to come with a tsunami, and we're going to knock you out of that tower until you come back to your truth of recognizing that anything you're trying to hold on to and justify as truth to you and use that as a security blanket to hide in and feel safe, we're going to take away that safety because you keep looking for safety outside of yourself instead of realizing that there is an almighty creator inside of you that loves you unconditionally and that will never change no matter what you do. Even if you become the worst criminal, you kill thousands of people, you're still going to be loved by that creator. You're just going to have to learn to love what you've done and take responsibility for it so that you can feel that love because you'll be blocking it because you'll be judging yourself. But you'll never be judged by the creator and you'll never be held in a space of you're a bad person and so you need to suffer. When people talk about karma and shamanism, we don't have karma. We have an understanding that everything that you create belongs to you. And so therefore, it's not based upon you're going to get bad karma or good karma because we don't live in duality. We're here to transcend duality altogether. It is the understanding that what you are actually doing in the world to another person, you're actually doing to yourself. And that's the only reason why you actually experience it because you're willing to do that to a person. You're willing to do it to yourself. You're willing to do that to an animal. You're willing to do that to nature. You're willing to do that to all of the many aspects of yourself that, that is in the essence of every living thing, multidimensionally expressing itself back to you as you and through other things expressing itself so that you can experience more of you to get to the real you, which is the creator and so, yes, if there are things that you have done, it's not a karma. It is in a placement of your own energy that you have to actually take responsibility for, right? It's not like because you were bad and you're getting punished. This whole idea of punishment, I see so many people spiritually, they grow and they create all kinds of punishment on their spiritual path or they create loss or lack or limitation or scarcity or you, you name it. 
right? And the reason why they do it is because of the fact that they're so stuck in the idea that they have to be punished and have to go through these things in order to course correct, or the word that I always hear, which is kind of annoying, which I've also transcended, is learning. You're not learning, you're remembering. Because you are an almighty being that has come from a realm that has limitless potential of creativity and love. So just because you're in this body and had to have your memory erased for you to take full acknowledgement of your experiences, so you have what is called free will of choice to decide what type of experiences you would like to have today versus tomorrow. You and I can have an experience. We can roll around in the mud and get all muddy and get all crazy, listen to some country music and just come out and jump in the shower together and laugh and fun and write poetry and drink tea and, and have little pajama parties. We can do anything we want. That's the cool thing about life, right? I can have a friend come over and be like, okay, let's have a DJ party. Let's all dance. Or let's all just sit in meditation. Or let's just run on the grass and be kids. Let's do cartwheels. Let's sing. Let's go build something. Let's build a business together. Let's go sing. Let's learn a new language. Let's this, let's that. The greatest gifts of choice and free will of all of the multidimensional things that you can actually involve yourself in and you would actually limit yourself from an experience of joy and pleasure on some level of your being. I'm not saying like, oh, because you're a man, you need to go be with another man. Or if you're a woman, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is your limitations and your fears and your phobias and your things that you create for yourself that limit the potential of your being because you're too holden onto some idea about yourself, some rule that you've created, that you've engraved and locked in and cemented. And that's going to be the very thing that actually makes you freaked out because that thing is going to come crumbling down. It may not be today. And it may not be tomorrow, it might be a year from now or a month from now, but it will crumble. And a lot of people don't realize the reason why they get sick and they go through all these health situations is because that's an aspect of the crumbling. They're holding on to some belief of the way they live their life or the way they speak to themselves or the way they eat or the way their environment, where they choose to live. And they keep holding on to it because they think it's safe. There is no safety amongst the people. The only safety you can find is not in your car, not in your house, not how much money you have in your bank account, not how many likes you have on Instagram, how many followers you have, and how many friends you have, and how popular you have, and what cool job you have. It's not about those things. Those things don't antiquate safety. What antiquates safety is your relationship to the creator inside of you. That little girl, that little boy, whatever it is, of the light source of that innocence, of that joy, of that love, is all you have. Everything else outside of you is a game being played out for you to see that it's to keep constantly spinning you around to realize that your idea of safety and your idea of holding on to materials and all of these types of things that you feel are the contentment of your life is not the true contentment. True contentment comes from the embodiment of the divine that already lives inside of you. That has limitless, limitless expanded dimensions of creativity and pleasure and bliss and intelligence. I mean, and everything you can imagine that creates the greatest amount of sustenance and thriving that you should ever need or shall ever require for you to be the most happiest living being on the planet. And I'm not teaching you anything. Actually, if you really want to know what I'm doing, do you really want to know what I'm doing? I'm not teaching you. What I'm opening up, I'm a key master, okay? 
Yes, I'm a shaman, but I'm a key master. And what that means is that whenever you have to impart information to people that allows them to go beyond the structures that they've already built, you're actually a key master. Your learning is not real. It's not you're learning anything. All you're doing is you're presenting keys to people. And that's all I'm doing. It's all I do here, right, in the tribe is to present keys to all you leaders and say, you know that box you're in right now or that reality or those labels you're in right now or this lack or this poverty consciousness or whatever it is, not being alone or whatever it is that you're going through, health issues, whatever it is, I'm going to give you a key that's going to unlock a door to a new place that you've never been before, but it's going to be the most exciting adventure you've ever been on. And all you have to do is take this key and open the door. Or you could stare at the key and analyze it and never open up the door and stay in your box. And eventually a tornado, hurricane, or tsunami will come and knock it down because that's how life is. And spirit will keep doing it. You know, the formations of shamanism, I always, people always say to me, I want to be a shaman, I want to be a shaman. I go, okay, okay, I get it. You want to be a shaman you want to be a shaman and I get it and you know what there's nothing wrong with you being a shaman and no you don't have to be a part of an indigenous tribe to be a shaman but what you do have to be comfortable with is enjoying the beauty and the breakdown why because if you hold on to anything and try to mold it into some idea that you feel you have to hide in the spirits are going to come and knock it down and rip you apart so that you can keep getting ripped apart until you stop holding on to this and start going to the source that has everything you shall ever need, right? So when you hear people say, oh, you know, they have a rites of passage, a rites of passage, all it means is that the spirits are taking you through the most crazy experience of pain and this and that, that you, all these things that you would be afraid of and ripping you apart until you finally say, you know what? I'm good. You can rip me apart, whatever. And I'm always going to be safe because I'm with the source. That's how you know that you are moving into that place of not just being a spiritual person, but being an evolutionist. An evolutionist is a person who knows that, hey, you may be vegan today, but the whole world can change tomorrow and you may have to eat meat to survive. And you should be okay with that. Not sit there and beat up on yourself because you want to have all these rules and ideas of why you could never do that. And if you can find a source that doesn't do that, great. But what I'm saying is don't make that your cemented truth. Be fluid. Be flexible. One of the greatest things that they say that a Kung Fu master will teach you is bend like the reed, be flexible, move like the grass, move like the water. In Hawaiian culture, we say shaka bradaka, which is hang loose, be loose, be loose. Because the more loose you are, when the wave moves a certain way, you can move in another direction. When you ride a skateboard, if you're too stiff on the skateboard, you're not going to be able to maneuver yourself properly, Right? So it's about recognizing that there's these energies that are taking place, even just riding a bike, right? You ride a bike, you got to use your balance on that bike because you're using the G-force and you're operating a movement with your legs and your hands are steering the wheel. And so therefore you can ride that bike, but you got to be loose. You got to be chill. You know, you got to be fluid. You got to be flexible. You got to be mutable. You got to be changeable. And you have to look at change differently. You, when things show up in your life, let me explain something to you. When something shows up in your life, and I'm going to leave you with this because I love you and I really want you to have this. When things show up in your life and they look horrible and difficult and uncomfortable and just, I can't stand where my life is right now. That's because the spirit is saying you're holding on to something that is not supporting evolution. So figure out what that is. 
and let it go. Be an evolutionist. Remember how powerful you are. And nothing outside of you makes you powerful but you. I love you with all my heart and every bit of my soul. Bye. Hey, Tribe. So the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hi, Tribe. We have another amazing share. The song is called Jai Jai Ma, the mantra is a devotional one to the Divine Mother, the source of pure love in our lives. You can check out more information on it at www.krishnaskirtan.com for more info and mailing list for upcoming events. The album is called Divine Devotion, group name Krishna's Kirtan. It's available on all major streaming outlets, Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, and Apple Music. Enjoy. Om Shri Ma Jai Jai Ma 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 Jai Oh, my.
Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the Tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I'm Shaman Durek. And if anyone hasn't told you today how much they love you and how much they appreciate you, value you, and see you and know you, that you are here to be a Liddy committee, a leader of legacy, and that you are representing love on planet Earth, well, let me be the first to tell you, I love you and I appreciate you. I see you and I know you. And I'm really, really happy that you're on the planet and that you're coming in to being a part of the tribe and that just getting yourself leveled up here with Ancient Wisdom today and listening to the amazing shares with amazing guests and amazing talks that we're having to keep ourselves lit. And on top of that, and speaking of lit, I have an amazing friend of mine, Shariah J. She is fresh off the Fox Network hit show, The Four, where she now holds the record as the longest seat holder in history. Shariah J is ready to let her talent do the talking after receiving high praise from the likes of Megan Trainer, Puffy Combs, Sean Diddy Combs, and DJ Khalid all season long. It is clear that Shariah is a force to be reckoned with. Now, let me just tell you, 
from my own personal experiences of this amazing, powerful queen that is with us today in ancient wisdom today. She is not only a person of heart and soul, but her style and the way she dresses and the way she walks into the room and illuminates the energy and her talent and skill is so powerful. It's the reason why she's here with all of us today in this share, because I had to have her come on and be a part of sharing with the tribe. And I just really want to thank you so much for, you know, the contribution to the hip hop world and to all the music that you've created and continue to create and just all of the the beauty and the love that you bring through your wisdom and all that you've gone through, Shariya. So welcome to the share. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, no, you're amazing. You're so amazing. Really, I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. So I want to get into it. So I want you to share with the tribe your path as a vocalist and dancer Mm -hmm. and how that started for you. Oh, wow. Well, this has been a journey that has, I've known nothing else but art, music, dance since I was a little girl. And the funny thing about dancing is that it was one of, you know, I always loved music. And so dancing kind of just picked up for me since I was just always attracted to it. And it was kind of like my introduction into the industry. You know what I mean? Like as a dancer and a choreographer. And the wild part is I never actually went to school for dance, but I just used to go out in the street with my friends and we used to make up routines off the spot. In the, you know what I mean? And it just was something that was organic to me since I was a little girl. Then when I realized that it was something you could actually do professionally, then I started to look more into that and do some research because I lived in Jersey, but New York was so close to me that I could get there and seek out the dance things, what the dancers were doing, because I felt like if I wanted to get into the world as a dancer, I had to go into their world and see what was popping off. You know what I mean? So that was something that just so quickly. And then music and writing just was always something that I always say that it was just something innate that I received because my father was in the music business and my house was hip hop when I was growing up. Like my mom played old soul music, which got, you know, got me in touch with records way before my time. And then my father was actually in the hip hop nineties group. So I was immersed in music and art and creativity from a little girl. So when you first got into music, uh, mm-hmm. did you know that like, this is what I want to do? Or was it like, this is something I want to have fun with? But was it like a true passion that took over you to that? This was my path. Like you knew, like, this is it. Yeah. I always knew that it would be something music related and creative because music has been in my life since I was a little girl and I never knew how to do anything else. You know what I'm saying? I, since I was a little girl, I've been either performing on a, in a talent show or making up a dance routine, writing lyrics in the house. I was influenced very early by my father because I used to see him run to the studio, have ciphers in the house, you know? And so that immediately encouraged me to just kind of take that path and walk it. That's so beautiful. You know, I think that, you know, people don't realize that it's like, you really have to follow that passion because the thing is, is like, you know, for me, it's really funny because I actually have a history with dance and music in my own family. My aunt, you know, my aunt was a world famous opera singer And I grew up around opera and music, but I also, when I was young, I used to go to EPA, to East Palo Alto, 
And I said, hang out. And, you know, I met this guy and he was a rapper and I put this dance troupe together and we used to do performances on stage when he would be doing stuff in Oakland and all over the place. Yes. And so I got into dance and, you know, and it was kind of like this balance between me being Shaman Dirk and then me doing the dance aspect. Exactly. You know, and then I started, when I moved, I walked away from shamanism for a while and moved to New York City and really started getting involved in dance. I took classes at Alvin Ailey and and then also oh, Broadway yes. dance. And I started choreography for Sean Combs uh, for P. Diddy. For his Go Benjamin on, studio. really? Yeah, so for Sean, I did for Lauren Hill. I did for, what was the other group? Eros Ramazzotti was an Italian singer. And a lot of oh, other no. music videos that I used to work for and choreograph and come up with routines and things like that. So dope, what? Yeah, so isn't that interesting? You know, but yes. it, it was a good times. And I used to do a lot of stuff for the Limelight in New York mm. City. And I was in charge of putting on their events nights and where I would put these huge elaborate art events with music and dance and have people do spoken word poetry and have people get up and rap and have people do like different dance ensembles for a mixture of hip hop to ballet to you name Go it. Go off. I love that. And I know because Limelight was popping. I remember that spot. Oh, it was pop- It was definitely <laughs> popping. And my favorite right. hangout place in New York City was church, which was like where everyone would put the talcum powder on the ground. Right. And, uh, right. Body and soul is what they used to call it. Come and, on, yes. and, and I used to dance there and, you know, and I was always very enthused by that, you know, and I think when I first got a chance to like, look at you, know, like you and who you are and what you do, all mm-hmm. I saw was that old school love, mm-hmm. you know, it's that beautiful energy that we don't ever want to lose, you know? And so yeah. when you're around, I feel it, it gets me excited, but a lot of people don't know that about me that I used to. That I used yeah. to be in dance. And, you know, and I even worked at MTV for a show called The Grind that actually my best friend to this day was a, was a VJ, Eric Neese. He was a VJ. And then when he walked away, I ended up working for them as a, as a dancer. And then on The Grind, I became a VJ for The Grind. And Go off. I remember that show. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Eric Neese, too. I remember him as the DJ. Yeah. So Eric, you know, he's my best friend right. to this day. We hang out pretty much every day. And he... You know, we talk about, we reminisce about old school New York. And it was like my walkabout for me Ooh. was like, do I really want to be Shaman Durek or do I want to be a dancer and work yeah. in that industry? You know, because it's mm-hmm. not an easy industry. I, mean, I remember working for Sean. He wasn't the easiest person to work for. No, you know? this is not an easy industry. You better say, you know it, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. so you have to have some serious tough skin Yes, deal with absolutely. the people yelling at you because I used to get yelled at a lot, you know, mm-hmm. especially in the hip hop. When I did choreography for a lot of hip hop stuff, I got yes. yelled at. People were just straight up like, Look, "Me too," <laughs> you know, in your face, you know. And sometimes they, they don't have that budgets. time. Yeah, what? you know and they what I mean. Want you to earn your keep. They gonna yeah. make you earn your keep. And you know what is so funny about that though? It's a double edged sword because. I've run into a lot of people like that, mentors that are like that, but they want to. But ultimately, because they have been, I guess, so hard on you, it kind of makes you really great. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like simultaneously you gain these things, but then 
the process, I always used to be confused about it. Like, does it take that kind of treatment to make somebody great? I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, what is? I mean, because you look at like Tiger Woods, you look at Vanessa Williams, you look at how these mom and dads are these entertainment mom and dads who like push their kids and hammer Mm -hmm. their children. And I mean, like, look at Michael Jackson. I mean, his dad used to beat him. To Perfect get him, example. You know what I'm saying? To get music done. And right. so many other people in the industry, like just even in the industry, I think for me, I think, you know, and I just want to hear your take on it. But for me, what was the hardest for me was I was like, I'm walking away from being Shaman Durek to go be a dancer. And even when I was at my dance at Alvin Ailey, I would get mm-hmm. beat up by my teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then beat up by all the other gay boys who would come up to me and be like, oh, Derby right. this morning. It wasn't that great. Are you okay at keeping right. your center? Are you okay at keeping your balance? Your turnout mm-hmm. week too. You know, and I'm like, right. why do I gotta get all the shade from everybody? Exactly. I'm just, I'm just trying to do what I love. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, absolutely. I totally get that. But that's you know what? And they should have beast with this game because it's a lot of that. You know, a lot of people have taken a lot of those beatdowns. And like I said, unfortunately, somebody like Michael Jackson is a good example because he, I'm assuming the path that he walked made him who he was. You know what I mean? And so a lot of us looked up to him and, and really, you know, Michael Jackson go down as an icon of music. But some people say that, you know, if he hadn't gone through what he'd gone through, would he be that great? What do you think about that? You know, it's interesting because when I think about it, because I think about Prince as well, too, right? Yes, I think about, yes, yes. I think about a lot of these parents who were just, like, beating on their kids to mm-hmm. get them to, like, practice their music or, like, you know, do their thing. Exactly. And I think that the discipline really set in. I think it's the discipline that they got from it, but they didn't have to get the beat down. Exactly. They could have got discipline through passion and love. But I yes. think also at that time with those types of parents, because I mean, I knew I got my ass whipped as a kid. What? You know, we all did. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, think, I was like, I didn't even know what, I mean, there's days I couldn't even sit down. I was like, I don't even know what this is. What is this? Right. You know? And like, it's just, it was a normal function, especially it was. In, in Black culture, you know? Because Absolutely. It, right? It came because with this idea that like, my dad used to always say, I, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. And, mm-hmm. and I was just like, you can spare the rod and I promise you, I won't get spoiled. Like, it's okay. You don't need to like, <laughs> right. you don't need to take it there. But the point is we grew up in that time. It was a life of hard knocks. It was a life of yeah. like, you discipline through fear and through hurting and creating these type of pain. And that's how you got people to commit and give exactly. into things. It's a very old paradigm. It is. You're right though. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hands down, that was it. Because when I look at, when I was in the industry of dance and around the music industry, like I remember one time Sean had a TV show where he was showing how people who wanted to come in and he wanted people that wanted to be represented by him and all the crazy things he did on this reality show. And I was thinking, that's not too far from how you are, Sean. Cause like, cause <laughs> I remember, I remember the intensity of just being on set and going to choreographer and getting my dancers to do what I need them to do. And Sean's like yelling in the background and this person's telling me this thing and this person's telling me this thing and people over here telling me this thing. And I'm just like, look, you guys, I can only handle so much until finally I just, I quit. I was like, I can't do this anymore. 
This isn't yeah. for me. I need to go back to it. who, you know what I'm saying? But you, you stuck it out. And I want to talk about that. I want to talk about <laughs> how you stuck it out in mm-hmm. that craziness. Man, <laughs> facts, 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 facts. It was, it's been a journey, but I have, you know what? I just think that my passion for music and just all the creativity connected to music my passion over, I used to tell people all the time, like, man, if you're not in this, if you come in this game because you want to make some money for reasons that don't have to do with passion, it's going to be those tough, tough days where you have to push through solely based upon how much you love what you do. You know what I mean? And so I've had a lot of those days, you know, and, and I've gone up through the ranks in my business. You know what I mean? I started as a dancer and a choreographer and then I transitioned into artists. And so I've worked at so many different levels in this business that I've had to do with hard choreographers, hard music producers, mentors on the way. But I am grateful that I also continuously was sent people in my life to push me and build me up and push me and build me up, you know, to continuously push me toward my greatness. I really relied a lot on my spirituality, like my connection, my love and my passion for music and what I do. It always just was Trump over a lot of things. Who would you say was your greatest mentor that showed up for you that you learned a lot from? Man, as far as music, um, specifically, it would have to be a split down the middle between my father, because I think he taught me a lot about music subconsciously. And consciously, you know what I mean? Like just me watching his work ethic from the door. I used to see him walking. He used to write and do his instrumentals in the bathroom because it always had the best acoustics. And so he used to lock himself in the bathroom late at night. And then when I would wake up to go to school in the morning, he would still be in the bathroom. And I remember I left him in there the night before. So right away, that kind of just embedded in my mind the type of work ethic it takes to even be in this game. And I watched him just go to the studio and do shows. And so I believe that just had a huge influence on my life. And then I would say Missy Elliott too, as well. She was one of my mentors and she really taught me a lot about music to really refine and help me hone in on how special music is, what being an artist is about. You know I mean, she'd been in the game over two decades. And she just learned a lot and was successful at it. So it was advice, you know, I knew that I could take and really process and use for the betterment of what I was trying to do. Did you feel like it was difficult for you, my love, as a Black woman in the music industry? Do we experience that same stigmatism that we get just being Black in America? Did you find that in the same thing in the industry as far as productions, recording, all that stuff? Did you feel that that was there and there? And did you have to come overcome that as well? Hell yeah, (laughs) for sure. Because it's just the truth of the matter is that it does exist. It is in there. Because I am who I am. Like, I, from the beginning, like, I had created the Banji movement that I had just because of stereotypes that people had about black women in the business and it's already hard in this business for women first and foremost and then you coming in yeah being a black woman who and I've always been very like outside the box and strong like I'm a strong personality too so that already you know puts the stigma on it like oh if she say anything she immediately become 
B-I-T-C-H or Diva or something like that. You know what I mean? Those are things that we deal with all the time. Yeah, you can say the word. Um, you can say the word "bitch" on the. On the <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Up. We, yeah, we. There's no. There's, we don't have to edit ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> this is Roz and Gets. This is Roz and Gets. Right. No, I could dig it. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've also dealt with you know people being on, sh- not getting particular gigs because of my race and being blatantly told that a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? So. It takes a lot. Like I said, you got to have tough skin to be in this business. And you got to be doing it for something bigger than, you know what I mean? Something that really doesn't matter. Because there's going to be things that you deal with that you're going to be like, child, that's too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, I think it's part of it. Come with the territory. And, you know, in regards to all of that, don't you, do you feel that you're spiritual? Because, you know, one of the reasons why you and I became friends and connected is mm-hmm. because you have a deep spiritual wellspring in you that reflects off the wellspring inside of me. And that's why we magnetically found each other in this life. Yeah, I love that. You know, do you feel like your spiritual wellspring helped you a lot to navigate through these things? Hands down. Hands down. Because I'm a big person too. I like to, I look for like signs and connection and feel and vibes. And so because I do relies so much on my spirituality, it's helped me make big decisions sometimes, you know what I mean? Or if I was faced with some type of decision that I was struggling with, I know that if I go and meditate on it or sat quiet for two days, then I could come up with a solution that, you know, was the best for me. And I've had to do that a lot of times. It's been rough days where the only thing I had is my spirituality and my connection. And so I leaned on those things to help me get through those times. And wholeheartedly i know that without that connection it would have been a whole hell of a lot harder for sure right and do you feel that people today have become a little lackadaisical when it comes to the passion and the discipline that is required to be out there as an artist in the musical industry or in the film industry or any of the things that in the entertainment industry as a whole which is what you're a part of because i see a lot of people having great ideas and I know they're mm-hmm. listening right now from all over the world. But then, mm-hmm. like, why do they keep getting a difficulty to launching? What is it? Do you feel like things have been different from where it was then to where it is now? Absolutely. Yeah. I always feel like things are evolving. And I come from a school of mentors that were hard on us. You know, they wanted to push us out greatness. So they required a lot from us. You know what I mean? Like, as far as a performer and an artist, like, I had mentors that would. All we did, it was eat, sleep, breathe music. We didn't do nothing else. We used to all be in the same house together. We had no distractions. We wasn't watching TV on the outside. We wasn't on our phones. All we were doing was doing music. And that works in two ways, you know, in a great way because it helps you create like out of this world creative things and it just makes you a beast. But it would be times too where if somebody said, Hey, it's two, three o'clock in the morning. Wake up. Let me see y'all show. We will be up at 3 a.m. in the morning, full attire, performing. And because we had to be ready all the time. One of my main lines, even when I was on the floor, was I stay ready so I don't got to get ready. And that was an, an exaggeration because I had came up under those high expectations of always being great, always working on your craft, always practicing. You know, a lot of the artists now, it is 
a little different because especially since like with the labels and stuff, they've taken out that artist development stage altogether. You know what I mean? I think that that was something so important about the business because each artist needs time to develop and grow into, you know, something for it to be longevity and really to be creating something legendary. And greatness takes time. That's at least what the umbrella we came up under for my mentors. Nowadays, like half the people not even doing it because they love it. Some people doing it just because everybody else is doing it. You know what I mean? And the reality is we really can take advantage a lot too of the fact it has changed though. You know what I mean? Because I think it puts a lot of people in positions to be their own boss. Like a lot of artists are staying independent opposed to like signing with labels so it's a tough thing but i think that yeah back in the day we were like really required to really put that hard work in nowadays people are finding ways to work smarter than harder what happens in the midst of that is they lose that thing that you do gain from always practicing always on top of your you know dotting your eyes and crossing your teeth Right. What is that quote that you just said? Because it's so powerful. Could you just say it slowly so everyone in the tribe can hear it? I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. Yeah. I stay Mm -hmm. ready so I don't have to get ready. I think that applies to every single ass of anyone who's operating in the creative field. I don't care if it's it's you being a healer or you being a teacher or a person who's there to help people remember, like whatever it is, if it's an artist or you're a painter or sculptor or a musician, dancer. Mm -hmm. I agree. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Get ready. Right. (laughs) Mm, That's just a strong statement. You know, that's a really powerful statement. You should marinate on that in the spirit itself. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think with all this stuff that's happening, the coronavirus and all this kind of stuff, everybody's asking, you know, what am I supposed to be doing and so forth. And when you say that statement, what comes to me is y'all need to be ready. Right. <laughs> that part. <laughs> that part, right? You know. Yes. It's like, y'all need to be ready. Like, I don't know what everybody's talking about trying to get back and do all these things. Like, they don't even know what else is coming. So exactly, I would be taking this time to cultivate whatever that readiness needs to be and ask my spirit, like, where am I not ready? Mm -hmm. So when it comes, I don't need to get ready. I'm already ready. Because I stayed ready. Right? Because you stayed ready. You're on it. Like, that's... Like when the whole Corona thing broke out, I wasn't tripping. Everybody was tripping. But I wrote a book a year ago that this was all going to happen in the blackout because I was already ready. So I was like, yeah. So I love that statement because, you know, I think that people sometimes wait for things to happen without Mm -hmm. actually. You know what I'm saying? Like they wait for things to happen without giving pause to the moment that they've been given by God to get ready. So when it comes on. That you are ready. Exactly. Like, that, that is that's ooh, it right there. That's I'm it. feeling it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I feel, I'm, I'm lit right I, now. <laughs> right. I'm lit too right now. <laughs> because I was saying what I was saying, the same thing you just said. So many people were like, this lockdown is taking me down. It's so crazy. And I just felt like I have actually been thriving during this time. I don't know. Like I took this time to really not be worrying about getting outside so fast because maybe the creator wants this time for you to sit 
reevaluate, see the things you need to switch. What, you know, what can you do to make yourself better? How are you going to be when we do come out of this? But I've been taking advantage of this space, not feeling trapped or, you know what I mean, anything negative about it. So I've been on your vibes, like, with that. Yeah, it's like God gives me grace to know my pace. I'm ready, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, this has given me time to cultivate my inner wisdom, to spend time with my ancestors, to do my ceremonial rituals for my Yoruban culture, you know, to be able to really step in and pray when I want to pray without feeling like, oh, I got so many things on my head. I didn't have time to pray today. No, I'm going to pray. Like, right. I, I have time to be able to meditate. I have time to work out and get my body and eat. Like right now, I've been fasting for like a whole week and mm. it's been great. You know, because I'm taking time to like cultivate myself based on your quote, which is so I am ready so I don't have to get ready because more stuff is about to come down on us and people don't even know. Right. And that's the crazy part, because that's the thing that people are sleepwalking and not even understanding that this not over. (laughs) Y'all, we still got some more things that's about to bust us in our head. And if we ain't awake and ready to go, then you already know what's going down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's Oh, man. I know. People don't know. Some things are coming. And people say, well, you're being negative, Shaman Dur, speaking it into existence. And that's what you talk about. No, I'm speaking to you to let you know as a harbinger that things are coming. So let's do this. Let's get in this space. Let's not focus on, I feel down and this thing and that thing. And I, you know, no, no. Everybody had, we don't need no time for no pity parties. We have no time for no pity parties. And that's what I'm talking about when I was saying to you about, has things changed? Because what would be your advice that you would give to an, any kind of artist or any kind of healer, or any kind of person right now to get themselves in that state of passion that you used to have? So that quote that you stated becomes mm-hmm. an anthem into their soul. Wow. Yeah, man. Well, first and foremost, I got to say, I think that your connection, like your higher power is the key. Because I think that you have to be connected in order to hear and feel and kind of know which direction to move. You know what I mean? That's just how I've always done for myself. So my spirituality has always been very prevalent in my life for that reason. Because I feel like, all right, boom, if I'm grounded, if I'm meditating, my mind is in the right place, my body is in the right place, then I can receive all the right things that I'm supposed to receive. You know what I mean? So... That makes it easier to move through the situations, in my opinion. Right. So you're saying stay connected to your life support system, which is the source, which is is our creator, the energy, the force. However people want to represent it, you know, Mm -hmm. people can represent it, Jehovah, they can represent it, Allah. I don't care how you want to represent it. As long as you are connected to that life support, you're going to be good. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I say, yeah, I say for sure. And I always, you know, one thing too about me, I've never been afraid to get out my comfort zone too. That's important, I think, um, because that's how you figure out the new levels that you're supposed to reach. And, you know, sometimes we get complacent and that could have been a thing too. A lot of people probably even in the world and or the world as a whole, we just got so complacent with where we were. We got an opportunity to have it all get slowed down so that we can see 
you know, what direction we're supposed to go next so that we can reach our new level. Hmm, that right there. What is what? That's right. Mm-hmm. What is what? Mm. What is what? So let me ask you, were on television, and maybe we can get you at the end of our share to maybe throw some lyrics out. If you feel like it, you don't have to. You know, anything from you is great, but even not, like, whatever. The point is, I'm saying, is that you're just masterful when it comes to spitting lyrics. Um, Thank you. But at the end of the day, like, you were battling breast cancer. Right. Like, that that right there, right, while you are on television... While you were in a major TV show and you're Mm -hmm. battling breast cancer, what was that like day in and day out? Man, what a journey. That was a journey of, (laughs) that's one for the books for sure. Because one, it was so many things at one time. Because one, I did just recently before the show started, I just recently got my diagnosis. So maybe a few months before I probably was into like one session, one chemo session when the show started. And initially, well, here's the gotcha, gotcha. I never would have even considered to ever do a reality TV show. I asked to be on, um, a couple others before, but they just didn't speak to, you know, who I was as an artist and a person. So when this thing kind of came around, I probably would have normally been in the space where I'd be like, oh, no, no, thank you, pass. But the way it came about was because I just got my diagnosis. And, you know, and this was one of those times where life was just taking a toll on me. You know what I mean? And and I was just really in a heavy place and, you know, was thinking about not doing music anymore. And here's the gotcha, gotcha. I was talking to my brother and we were having a conversation and I came to him and I said, you know, this is getting really hard on me. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe I should take a, a break from music. And that shocked him because I had never said nothing like that in my whole life. Like, so he was pretty shocked at the fact that I even made that statement. And I've always been pretty strong. But for something to, for me to be considering walking away from my passion like that, he knew that, like, something was up. And no lie, make conversation I got a random call from this 818 number i never seen before. And my brother was like, pick it up, put it on the speakerphone. Maybe it's, who knows? And I pick it up. And when I put it on, it was the show the four calling me. And one of the producers was calling me and saying, hey, we've been following your work. We would really love for you to come have a meeting in L.A. with our producers because we're doing this season of the show. And my brother was just looking at me. He said, say yes, say yes, say yes. He was telling me, say yes. So then I said, okay, I agreed to the meeting. But once I hung up, he just, we had that conversation right then. Like, no, sis, like, even though you tried five seconds to think about giving up on what your passion was, it was divine intervention at that show. Mm. Just in the middle of us having that conversation, that producer called me. He was like, it's a sign. He was like, this is your path. You can't quit on it. And I went to the, flew to LA the next day. They offered me the seat on the show representing hip hop. And the funny part was when I got my seat, nobody even knew that I was battling breast cancer at that point. So I got my seat like fair and square off my talent because we killed the meeting. And then I went on that journey of the four and it was just so crazy because, you know, I was going to chemo. I initially, the show was shooting in L.A. I was initially getting chemo in Atlanta. 
So we would do all this work for the show in the week, but then I would have to fly to Atlanta, hop on a plane, fly to Atlanta, get chemo, hop back on a plane that night, get back to LA to then hop on the stage in two days to perform and try to keep my feet on the show. And I don't know if people know about chemo, but normally like when you get chemo the first day, when you get it, I didn't used to get my side effects till about two days later, really intense. So I was going through the brunt of my side effects while I was performing on that stage. Mm. It got too intense. The flight back and forth got too intense, like mid-show. So it was just a blessing because the producers just were like, you know what, Shrey, we're going to, they linked me up with some really great doctors in California and really made it easy for me to transition so then I could at least get my chemos in California. And that eliminated me having to hop on that plane from Atlanta back and forth. And I just know, I know that the creator sent me that show so that I could go through the biggest battle of my life, which is breast cancer. And I believe that the creator knows how connected me and music are. And so I always feel like that show was a blessing because it was put there so that I could go through this battle with cancer, make it easier for me to do it. You know what I mean? Because even though it was hard on my body, Mentally, I was just working with higher power the whole time. Like, mm. it's times I say to people, I don't even know how I was doing it. I mean, I know, but my body was just, I was just locked in. It was some other, I was just tapped into another level during that time because I gave that cancer no attention. And because I was more concerned about what outfit am I going to wear this week? How am I going to do my hair? Okay, I got to do this song for hip hop. How am I going to wow the judges? And it kept my mind focused on that. And I believe that really sincerely helped me heal myself in that time because I didn't give any energy to the cancer. You know what I mean? Like I just focused on what I had to do for that show to make it to the next level. And I believe that brought me all the way through. I do believe it was, it was a lot of divine intervention in that time. Wow. You know what? I just want to just take a moment of pause with everyone right now and just, you know, praise God for you. Praise mm-hmm. God for mm-hmm. you. Because you. It, it really is, you know, I mean, when I listen to your story, it touches a really deep place within me emotionally because I was on dialysis for eight years and treatments were Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they were the most painful experiences. You know, I remember I was talking to my girlfriend about it today and Mm -hmm. I was saying that like with the coronavirus, like nothing to me. I said like, you know, babe, I know we haven't seen each other a long time, but you got to learn how to surrender because when you get, when your health is at risk or, you know, jeopardized on some level, compromised on some level, and you got to do something like treatments, where a machine is doing things to you or they're putting some kind of chemical in your body or something's going on, you surrender to it. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, like I surrendered to eight years of that dialysis, but every day was like me going like, I'm surrendering to this, but I'm not forever going to be on this. And right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when yes. you're talking to me, sharing this with me, it brings that up for me because next day people would be laid out in bed because they're in so much pain and their body's cramping and going through all these things. And I was seeing people. I was mm-hmm. having, t- taking sessions. I was lecturing. I was yeah. getting on airplanes and rushing back at the nick of time before I would die so I could get back to the treatment center and get another treatment. Mm, right. And yeah. I don't even know how I did it. And when I was listening to you speak, 
It's like, you know, and I got to say, I got to speak on it. But there's this like, there's this deep, deep connection to God. Deep, deep connection to God that got me some extra power, some extra something where it just, for some reason, I didn't fall into that pain. I didn't go into work. I didn't go into, you know, I can't do this lecture, even though I'm feeling pain in my body right now. My body's filling up with all these toxins and I should be on a machine right now, but I'm going to push through this right now. And there are times where I was like, had to go to the hospital and my friend's like, you have to cancel this. I'm like, no, I'm not going to cancel. Like you got four hours and you are in so much pain. Like your body's seizing up. I said, I don't care. I got to get on that stage and talk to the people about love. That's how I feel about you. You know what I'm saying? Like that devotion, some kind of energy came into us mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. made us forget the circumstances of our situation. Yes, that is fact. Mm-hmm. Ooh, let me just, ooh, because that, because, because when you started explaining how you were jumping on a plane, I was like, oh my God, I remember like that number of time I was on a plane and I was dying and mm-hmm. it was a snowstorm where I was at. And I had to, and I couldn't even do that. A friend of mine had to drive through a whole state just to get me to another airport to rush me back. And I was on the plane screaming because I was in so much pain and they rushed me straight to the clinic for my treatment. But I did what I had to do, you know? Because that was my soul. That was my happiness. I'm not going to let some illness take away my happiness. Yes, come on. That's right. Okay. Even if I, even if I have to die doing what I love, so be it. So be it. (laughs) It's just the facts. It's true. And that's what I hear in you, queen. I hear the queen of perseverance. Mm -hmm. I like that. You know, like you really are just your life alone is such a gift to reflect upon for others when they feel I can't do this no more. Exactly. I have cancer. No, I I can't, I can't do this, but you're up there. I watched you on TV. You up there on the stage, like no one would even know you had cancer. (laughs) Half of the people at the show did not even know until three weeks in because three weeks prior to it starting, I then doubled back and said, okay, listen, because I realized I would be getting, having to get chemo during the show, like while it was happening. So I was like, okay, look, oh yeah, one more thing I need to tell y'all. And everybody was already flabbergasted, like what? They thought I was just giving fashions with my bald head. Coming in like Grace Jones, she's giving us right. a, a new look. <laughs> That's what they thought. That's right. Oh man, but it's true. And here you good. are today. And here you are today. You know, there's this amazing song by Mary J. Blige. It was for the movie The Help, which is one of my favorite movies. She's talking about how she's still here. It's like, yes. you know, I'm still here. And mm-hmm. it's a beautiful song. And I think my friend Latoya London sang it at my book launch. 
Uh, I don't know if you heard it when you were there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she killed it. Yeah, I remember that that joint. You mean she say that's the song that she sang that night? That's the Mary J. Boss song? Yeah. Amazing. Yep. And, you know, and what I love about that song, because the lyrics of that song is really about truly what you and I have gone through. Mm-hmm, right? You know, because the thing is, at the end of the day, right, we have been there. You know, and sometimes we felt like we weren't going to make it. And that's what the words and the lyrics said. She's like, you know, she's like, I, there are days where I was going to give up, days where I didn't think I was going to make it. Mm-hmm. But I'm still and You know here. those days, right. I'm still here. Exactly. The, yeah, those days, you know, they kick in. And yes, I think they sometimes, do. I think sometimes people need to understand what that looks like, what that feels like, and not give in. Yes. What do you want to say about that? I've heard a lot of good friends of mine in the music business say that the hardest part of being in the business is not giving up. And that's because every single person who have tried to make it or accomplish something has had those intense days. And you're right, it is helpful for people trying to come into the business or just not trying to come into this business just for everyday life to know that people have had those days and made it through those days. You know what I mean? And be able to relate to somebody who can say, no, I have been through that and I wanted to give up, but I pushed through and you're right. And today I'm here. You know what I mean? I'm not who I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. You know what I mean? And so I believe that every person, a lot of people go through those days. And I feel like when they see somebody, I guess, in a position that they want to get to, to know that that person has walked that same path is useful. And I think inspiring for people who also want to do the same. Yes. So I want to share the lyrics to you in a way of poetry. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to share it to you in the poetry. It's called The Living Proof. And it's from the soundtrack, The Help. And it's a song that touched me and made me cry when I came through all my stuff. And when I think about it, I think about you as well, Shrey. So I just want to read you the lyrics. It says, it's going to be a long, long journey. It's going to be an uphill climb. It's going to be a tough fight. There's going to be some lonely nights, but I'm ready to carry on. I'm so glad the worst is over because it almost took me out. I can start living now. I feel like I can do anything. And I'm finally not afraid to breathe. Mm. Anything you say to me and everything you do, you can't deny the truth because I'm the living proof. So Mm. many don't survive. They just don't make it through. But look at me. I'm the living proof. Let me tell you why that just resonates so crazy with me right now. Because I am in Atlanta in my mother's house, but sitting in her living room. And I'm looking at a plant right in front of me, right across the front. It's a big word. The word spelled out living huge in front of me. So as you're saying living proof every time, I'm literally looking at that word in real life. So that's resonated with me. That was beautiful. Mm. Are you going to write a book about your experience? Because I honestly feel your story is so inspirational. That yes, I want to inspire so many people. To who I want to want to be in understand the energy, the perseverance, the courage, the strength of self love, mm-hmm. the whole yeah, self love. You know that holding with spirit mm-hmm. for them to make it through. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I wanted I want to do a book about it. I def- yeah. I have intentions. I know I, I know I'm destined to write a book. I do know that. I just I've always wondered what it would be about. And I believe that is it. Yeah, I mean, and then just even some of the spiritual antidotes that you had to use to mm-hmm. in your mind. There are times where I would be sitting on the machine and I'm looking around the dialysis center and I'm watching people that I used to talk to and they're not showing up in their chairs anymore because I know they died. Right. And there would be a voice that'd be like, when's your time? How much mm-hmm. longer can you let this machine pump your heart this quick? How long can you take these big needles sticking in your arm? For four hours, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, for how many years is going to go by? Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, and for me, it was just like, if this is what I got to go through in order to prove my devotion to the people of this world, to myself, to God, that I will take anything, I can handle anything, and I'm still going to do what I love. I'm not going to mm-hmm. walk in. I'm, you know what? Because when you go in through those you know, things, so I, I see people who get sick and they become mean as hell. They become right. <laughs> mean just for sport. They just get mean, get nasty. Just yep. be like, but they're feeling pain and they want everybody else to feel their pain and, and take it out and yell at people and get mad, not take their medications and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And the yes. whole time I stayed with love. The whole time. The whole time. That's the key. And that's the key. And I know that's what you did too. And that's why we're still here. And that's the reason why we're still thriving. And that's the reason why we're still creating. And that's Mm -hmm. the reason why we're okay with coronavirus. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) say that. You know what I'm saying? How, what, 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 Cardi B say? Coronavirus! (laughs) It's getting real. It's getting real, you know? <laughs> I said coronavirus. You ain't got nothing on me, boo. Come on, you already know. And what was so wild about that was because I was in um around New Year's. I was in Seattle, and I was set to drive so back to LA. And it was just something in my spirit had told me, like you know, maybe I need to go like to Atlanta. Cause you know, anytime I come like to my mom's house in Atlanta, it's always just healing energy. You know what I mean? Like, it's Mm -hmm. like my family's there. It's always love. It's just good vibes always. So even though I had to go work, but I was like, you know what, let me something to come on down to Atlanta. And when I got down here, I had really tapped into a lot of different healing. Like then I kind of got the idea that I was on like a little a healing, more of a healing journey, got, got a little bit more into herbs, holistic things. And so then with taking an excess of different supplements, really building them, trying to build my body, like honed in, focused on that. Then we got word of Corona and my mother was like, girl, don't think for one second you go back to no LA. You, you sit still. But then for, for that time that I've been here, I felt like I was ahead of the curve a little bit because I was building my body up for something, but I didn't know why. It was just a vibe that I felt. But then a few months later, Corona came and we've been locked in ever since. Yeah, ain't that, ain't that a thing? It's deep. It really is. Because, you know, spirit led you right where you needed to be. Exactly. That's what I love about spirit. That's why I don't understand how anyone can be on this planet and not have that time to meditate, pray, just give some offerings to the ocean and to the trees Mm -hmm. and just, you know, to their ancestors, you know, build a little ancestor altar, maybe do a little dance every morning for your ancestors and just just be thankful for their guidance on the other side that's guiding you. 
Absolutely, for real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, how can, you know, that's the deep roots within our culture, you know? That's why I'm I'm very happy to be a Black man, a melanated man, because it's deep root. There's deep root, and there's magic in that deep root. Generations. Generations. Yeah, totally. So let me ask you this. Is there a connection between how connected you are in spirit and how you created your art? Yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. Yeah, it's a part of my art. All of it. And even more recently, like I just did another record. I always say that my art really reflects my true life. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I'm always right on cue, like with how I feel. Because I just did a couple new records. I just released a new record recently, just did a new record called New New. And this record just is about new levels, new energy, meets feeling renewed you know what i mean and mm-hmm. you know of course i did it in a little hip-hop cool little hip-hop way but it just was how i felt you know what i mean that's when i go in the studio a lot of stuff i'm working on when i create it is solely just a reflection of how i feel at that moment that was yeah, so, that was my question i was going to ask you i was going to ask you about your new radio single new new and okay. what your story behind of this song was about yes yeah it was totally that because I had this time, like when I've been in Atlanta this time, I always come home and get filled up and fulfilled, you know, and then I go back out into the world. My mother said she sent me back out into the world and then, you know, I'm built up. But this time in particular was different. It was me transitioning into a new me. And I felt it and I've been aware of it the whole time, excited about it. And so I just had to talk about it. Mm. Are there any heart. are there any leaders that have inspired you or that you're inspired by? Mm, absolutely. Well, Lauren Hill, I always loved Lauren because she was well, she was from Jersey. And you know, I'm a Jersey girl too. What I loved about her, she was connect, always connected to the streets and hip hop, but she was also a very enlightened thinker. And so she would mix that into her art all the time. So I always looked up to to her specifically. Yeah, I listen to her songs for gospel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. She usually can be connected in in both the worlds to kind of bring it together in a nice way, which kind of, I guess, reminds me of myself in a sense. But yeah, hands down. I, mean, I love Lauren. I love a lot of artists. Michael Jackson, Prince, all the ones. They've all inspired me. Yeah, Lauren, you know, working for her, she's real deep. You know what I'm saying? Like real she is, deep, she is, like deep and deep and deep and deep. I'm like, I'm like one day I walk in and she's telling me something and then I'm like, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she comes back, she goes, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We, let's do it like this. We're going to do it like this. We want to do it like this and like <laughs> right. this. And I'm like, oh, she just changed the whole thing. Now she's going to another deeper level. And then I come back right. the next day and then I'm like, okay, how's everything? So we're getting all the people, getting the hair person. I'm finding the person for you to do all the different hairdos for all black culture, for all the different times. We did the doo-wop video together. Oh, work. I love that. You know, and shut down Harlem, you know, do this video. So I was in charge of like, you know, getting like the hair people for hair prep and, you know, hiring different people for her and getting that stuff going. And then also helping with the dancers and the people who are going to be doing that. And then bringing in some of the people in there to fill in the spots. I put my niece in there. She's actually a little girl in the video. You can actually see her on the fence with running around with the other kids, but it was fun, but you know, she's deep, she's real. She gets in there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And she knows what she likes. Like you can't change Lauren's mind. Lauren makes a statement about something. That's what she feels. That's how it's going to go. And she's <laughs> right. That and part think, is 
you know? And then with Sean, what I thought about Sean is Sean be thinking out of the box. His mind is like on a whole nother level. Like he'd be looking at things and you'd be thinking like, where is he going now? And then you realize, wow, he just went to a whole nother level. Yeah. He's just a real genius. He's a real Yeah, business. no, when it comes to that, yeah, when it comes to his music game, he's definitely a GOAT. Like you can't deny that. It's just... It just is the facts. It's the facts. Even, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even when he was level, on the show. I just bless him. <laughs> that part. Because <laughs> he need he need that. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. He really does. Sometimes he'd be too much. Mm-hmm. I'm That's just like, mm, no, I don't even want to talk on it. I'm just like, you know what, Sean? I hear you. You told me what you want. I got it. That thing you're doing right now, I'm gonna just throw some blessing on you and I'm gonna walk over here this way. And just do my own thing because there's only so much I can handle. Because then, you know, sometimes people get too passionate, they get crazy, you know? And there's only so much yes. crazy you can handle. That, that'd be true. Yeah, a lot of times people get crazy. <laughs> yeah, especially in the music industry. Yeah, I was especially. tripping off people all the time. I'm like, what? I noticed when I was working in hip hop, it was like crazy because everybody's just trying to like have their say and their opinion and everything. When I was uh-huh. working for Eros Ramazzotti, it was different because he's Italian, you know, and he's like, you know, the music and everyone's had ballroom dancing. It was a different type of it, vibe. Yeah, it's I know. different vibe. So everyone was a little bit more chill, relaxed. But even when I was at the craft service, when I was working with Sean, people would be tripping. I'm like, y'all need to chill. Like, just chill. Like, we, I'm saying like, why? I don't know why y'all have all these big egos on the set. Like, y'all just need to chill. We're going to get this done. Like, relax. Yeah, that's the problem a lot of times. That's what it be. Everybody ego. We all supposed to be here for the art, but everybody ego just be in the way. You already yeah. know. Everybody wants to feel like they're somebody, and I'm trying to get the dancers to not break their legs on the platform. <laughs> Hello. You know, the scaffolding that I told Sean isn't secure because my dad ran his own construction company, and I know how many times I've seen a scaffolding being put up, and nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. And then when it fell down, we had to send everybody to the hospital. And then Sean's like, well, where's the dancers? I'm like, well, I told you the scaffolding fell. You were in your van and we had to take care of them. Some people got hurt. We had to let them go. He goes, so you mean we don't have enough dancers? I'm like, no. He's like, all right, don't worry. I'll handle it. You guys don't seem to handle it. I'll handle it. I'm like, oh, here we go. And then before you know it, he's having these people contact a radio station saying, like, you want to be in a P. Diddy video? Come on down. And all these people start driving up with the Cadillacs and coming down with their Mickeys and their 40s. And I'm like, no, 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 no. What is this? Stop. Okay, like, what is this? What right. is this? What did this just turn into? People popping up and like, yeah, I'm in a Sean Puffin Cup video. I said, oh, no. I said, no, we need you to sign a release form. You have to sign this release right. form because I can't have any kind of situations where you get sued. It was Come on, right. I'm like, yeah. And then I went to his band. I'm like, Sean, why did you do that? Like, why? Because we need them dancers. You know, we got to, you know, kick off this music video. We need to have some dancers that are representing. I was like, well, did you think we have to have every single person sign a release form? And what if some of the people get hurt just by being here because they don't even know what we're doing? You know, the other people were coached. We casted them. We talked to them. We, you know, they went through the whole process. Yeah, it was too much. That's why I had to walk off. I told my friend, I looked at my friend who we worked together in his company and possible casting. And I was like, look, Greg, I love you, dude. But... um. I'm done. I'm good. Right. I'm not doing yeah. any more hip hop stuff. I'm going to go over here. You know, <laughs> at, at the time, I rolled myself a nice J. 
right, you know, I'm going to smoke this jazz. I'm going to look <laughs> at the moon. I'm just going to go into meditation. And if you want to deal with this craziness, you can come and join me too and sit next to me and smoke this J with me and let's be done. <laughs> let's be done. And let them handle it because we did what we needed to do. I did what I needed to do for choreography. I did what I needed to do for dance. I did, you did what you needed to do for the models. We had everybody there, Georgina Bennett, everybody was there. And I was just like, this is a train wreck. I got to go. Oh my gosh. I already look. I've been on those train wreck sets too. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, I, got, I, got, I got to get to walk in. I was, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, part. my dad was like, if you don't like something, put your walking shoes on, boy, and walk off that set. And come on, walking. Just keep to walking. Facts. Yeah. So I'm just so happy that we got to have you here. Today Me too. Today, I love, Me I too. love, I love talking with you, and Same. I'm just very, very happy. How can Me people? Too. How, how can people follow you? Get into your music, like everything. Yeah, sure. So on sharejay.com is my official website, sharejay.com, and then my IG handle is at b a n j i raya. That's at banji raya. Twitter, Sharia underscore J, and then everything else, Facebook, et cetera, Sharia J. Wonderful. <laughs> I but honor yeah, you, thank queen. you for having mm. me. I, I mean, you know, I love you down since the first day I met you. So I'm really excited and happy that we got to do this today. I know. Fun. I'm so happy too. I remember we were in your birthday party. And yes. last time I saw you was at my book launch, and then this whole Corona yes. thing came out because I was I want to spend more time. And, um, but you know, we're going to get there. We're going to move through this with ease and grace. And then we're going to have some time to just hang. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But I am hanging up. I am feeling very lit and um, full of light and great, great vibes and good energy. So I appreciate that. I love you, Queen. Thank you for being here. Love you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. One of the things that I really love about Shariah J is that she's a survivor. And when I say a survivor, I just kind of want to speak on it a little bit because a survivor isn't someone who just takes a beating and they make it through and they survive. That's not a survivor. A survivor is someone who says to themselves, I'm going to be so devoted to my passions and my desires that you could throw anything at me and I'm going to still be standing. You know, there's this great movie, The Matrix, which is great because it has a lot of references of what's really happening in the world. But there's this part, and I think it's uh, number three. And there's a part where Smitty has duplicated himself many times and he keeps hitting Neo. And Neo's like, keeps standing up. And he's like, why do you persist? Why don't you just stay down? I don't know what it is. Why do you keep standing up? What makes you want to stand up? Because he couldn't understand how come he just wouldn't, he kept taking the beating and he would keep rising. He didn't understand what was making him rise because he was a program, right? And his program um, was really distorted. And so why do I say this about 
the lovely Shariah J is because this woman had cancer. Now, a lot of people that get cancer, they go into panic, they go to fear, and they run around saying, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this, and everything else has to stop. But she didn't. She had cancer and she jumped on an airplane and go all the way to LA to do the TV show with P. Diddy and all of the people who were there. And you would see her rapping on television after she came out of chemo and be right on stage rapping and slaying it. And when you have someone with that type of momentum, it's very inspiring. You know, I I said to myself a long time ago when I was young, I've experienced so much pain and suffering and illness and all kinds of things that I've gone through. Abuse, drug abuse, alcoholism, you name it. I mean, I talk about it, right? And people coming at me, people trying to knock me down, people trying to paint pictures around me and, you know, try to create whatever they can to discredit who I am as a human being. But the coolest thing that I realized in all of that was every time they did that, I would just dig deeper into love. And I would go stronger into healing and stronger into spirit to get more messages and more information to be able to share it with all of you beautiful souls who are powerful leaders of legacy that are listening right now. And I love that you do that. I love that you show up for yourself and for the planet to be here and to listen and to take in that which you already know, but to fortify it in the hearing process and the knowing process of hearing it in a way that you already been saying in yourself. You just maybe haven't said it out of your mouth completely. And some of you have, right? It's just for me to keep reminding you, right? I'm not here to teach you. I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your guru or never will be. And I never want to be. I'm here to help you remember that which is already embedded in you, in your spiritual DNA. And the understanding of being able to keep getting up is not where you have to keep getting up with anger. You keep getting up because you're so devoted and so focused on an idea or feeling or desire that nothing can take you down. And that's the level of resilience that I love when I first met Shariah. Because when I first met her, we met through my friend, Philip Block. And he said, oh, you know, this amazing woman coming by and we're going to all eat and enjoy each other tonight and stuff. And she walked in the room and I saw this beautiful queen walk in with amazing avant-garde style. And I said, who is this divine creature of love, power and grace and wisdom and energy and magic and just just everything, right? Words don't even describe her majesty. I knew I just needed to be friends with her. I knew that I needed to be in her life. And I also got to witness her energy by spending time with her and just seeing her love and looking at her on television and watching her 
battle these other rappers while coming out of chemo. And I know because I was on dialysis for eight years. And I know when you come off those types of treatments, you are exhausted, you're tired, your body can't even barely move. And here she is with cameras all around her on TV, in front of P. Diddy and all these other people and just slaying it in a way that only a true queen can slay. But there's the aspect of humanity in her that is so real that she's not operating on the idea of you're going to tell me what my demise is. You're going to tell me how far I can go. You're going to tell me what's capable for me. You know, even Missy Elliott took her on as a protege. And it's like, you can be a protege to someone, but you're not really a protege to anyone. You're your own person. If they're taking you on, that's because they're sharing things with you as we all should. But at the end of the day, you still have to stand in your own autonomy and your own power. And that's what she represents. And so when we look at that in reference to life, right, we look at that perseverance, huh? You know, it's so wonderful to hear that word, perseverance. Let's say it a little slur so we can just really take it in. Perseverance. It's like something moving through the fires and breaking through the walls and continuing to go no matter the thorn bushes are cutting you or whatever is trying to stand in front of you. You're just wedging yourself through and getting through because you have perseverance and nothing can take you down because your desire and passion is so strong. Your devotion is so strong. You already see yourself already having that which you're devoted and passionate about. You're already there in spirit and you're just meeting up with your spirit. And that's the reason why nothing can take you. Nothing can harm you. Nothing can get to you. I remember my dad used to put all types of interesting kind of obstacles in front of me, verbally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, you know, I used to look at him and say, dad, oh, geez, I love you so much. But seriously, Nothing is going to stop me from doing what I came here to do. I don't care if you tell me I can't survive financially or the world will beat me up and laugh at me because they won't understand this path. They won't understand the African wisdom. People are not ready to hear from that. People are not ready to understand that. People are going to find me strange because of my roots in Haiti or whatever it is that he would say. And the things that he would orchestrate in my life to try to move me in a different direction. But my passion, come on, my devotion, yes, my desire, sexy, fierce power would not let him move me. I don't care if he called me every name in the book, which he has said a lot of unnecessary things from his mouth and I love my dad and sometimes he would act out of character and say some really pretty not so nice things I mean all curse words all wrapped up in all and still I don't care I don't care I'm sorry you have a problem with what I choose and who I choose to hang out with and what beliefs I have and how I choose to function in my life I don't care because my desire, my passion is so sexy. It's so real. It's so, my spirit is already there dancing in the moment of that grace and beauty that is so profound that I can feel the vibrant energy giving me the strength, the courage, and the fortitude to bypass all of these obstacles and move through it with ease and grace. And if I get a couple scrapes and cuts and I don't care, it will heal. I'm still going to where I need to go. And that's how Shariah thinks. And she thinks like that every single day. And the fact that she came from this musical background 
As a woman, <laughs> let's talk about that, right? As a woman, you look at a lot of male rappers, right? And things just open up for them because they're like, oh yeah, we need male rappers. Yeah, yeah, men, men. But women have to step up a little bit more than men do to be able to pull into an industry that's very based in that very masculine, that very patriotic, you know, the men, the executives in the music industry and all of these different obstacles that one would have to triumph over just to be able to bring about the awareness that a woman would have to embody the strength, the courage, the I don't give a shit what anyone has to say attitude and the reality of realness. Now, when I talk about the reality of realness, and it's just such a smooth word, the reality of realness, it's not about you trying to meet anyone's expectations or you trying to fit into anyone's box in order to be loved and accepted. When you get into the reality of realness, that's the point where you have to surrender your love for their need to love you, for your love to love you more than their love to love you. Do you understand what I mean? That means that you're afraid to lose their love. So you're willing to bend and to put yourself in a box, stuff yourself in a box that you don't really belong in. And you're willing to submit and you're willing to succumb to whomever that is because you're afraid that they're not going to love you. They're going to ostracize you. They're going to judge you. And why? The realness is Why do you care? Let them judge you. They're only judging their own fears. Let them get upset. If they don't love you, then they never did love you because a person who loves you isn't here today, gone tomorrow. A person who loves you is like, look, we've gone through some stuff together, things I may not understand about you, things that don't make sense to me, but I still love you. You obviously have a path. I have a path. Maybe I don't understand your path, but I'm not going to get in your way because I don't understand your path or because you're threatening my path. Yo, step off. Like, that's it right there. And when I say, yo, step off, I'm not talking about them stepping off. I'm talking about you stepping off. Get off their train. That's not your train. Get out of their house. That's not your house. Get out of their space. That's not your space. Go back to your kingdom and sit on your own throne and represent you. And when you're a woman and you're in that industry like Shreyas and you have to deal with all of these different components coming at you, you only have but one place and that's you and God and that's all you've got. You can listen to everyone's opinion, but at the end of the day, you have to make the decision and it's you and God. It's you and source. It's you and spirit. It's you and the divine. You understand? And that's what she had to do. Now you're dealing with that and you have cancer and you're dealing with that and you have doctors telling you, no, you can't do that. You can't get on a plane and do this right after you come out of chemo and you got to jump on the plane for five, six hours and then jump on a stage and be backstage getting makeup done and all this kind of stuff, get get your gear on and go out there and battle these rappers in front of big people like P. Diddy and all these people. And you're going to do that after all that and flying and and this and that. That doesn't make sense. It's just going to wear you down, take you out and it's going to make you sick. Well, you know what? You get to decide what that will do for you. It depends how you choose to magistrate your energy and your power. Your resource can be limitless resource when you want it to be. You ever have that situation where you're with friends and you end up talking and talking and talking and talking and all of a sudden you look up and it's like five, six o'clock in the morning. You don't even know how you had all this energy. That's because you have limitless resource in you. But you choose to pull that resource and operate through that resource when you feel true desire, true passion, true devotion, 
The understanding of humanity can only be presented to you through another person's viewpoint if you accept that viewpoint. But that's not humanity. That's a person's opinion and so forth. You still have to make a decision where you stand. And you can't make a decision where you stand if you're standing on someone else's yard and in someone else's house. And you can't make a decision where you stand if you're operating in the fear of what's going on. So you have to recognize that resource in you. And that's where the power comes in. And that's where the love comes in. And that's when the grace and the beauty comes in. So that's what I felt about this amazing, amazing conversation with Shariah. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. And that's all I want to share with you today because I feel like this is what you need to know. And I love you. And I'm so happy you got to be there for this great conversation. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others, your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, 
stay lit. <laughs>